0: This week on CityCast Denver, we're talking about the state of our restaurants because it's Denver Restaurant Week and more and more people are feeling comfortable going out to eat. So what are we going to find when we sit down at our favorite restaurant? Today, we're talking about the staff, the servers, hosts, dishwashers, and cooks who make it all happen and the unique struggles they face.
1: Back in my day, I'm getting to that age now, it was just suck it up and pull up your pants and, and do it. And um, there was like a lot of shame-based encouragement about, well, well, what do you mean you don't know how to make a chicken noodle soup? Everybody know, you know, you're an idiot. You can't make chicken noodle soup.
0: John Hinman started working in Denver restaurants in 1997. After struggling with alcoholism and eventually finding sobriety, he founded Culinary Hospitality Outreach and Wellness, or CHOW, which has provided essential mental health support to other restaurant workers in Denver, especially these last two years.
1: You know, I'm not a mental health expert. I just know that talking about it helped me immensely and I'm not dead.
0: And just a note, there is mention of suicide in this episode. Today is Monday, March 14th, 2022. I'm Bree Davies and this is CityCast Denver. John Hinman, welcome to CityCast Denver.
1: Thank you so very much, Bree, for having me today. I'm excited to be here.
0: So we're going to talk about the organization you founded in a minute, but I want to start with you. Before Chow, what was your life in the restaurant industry like?
1: Um, I would say, you know, the restaurant industry was my life and those people were my family. So I didn't really have an outside personal life, you know, and um, I learned through getting sober, that the the one way to lighten that load and get some help is to start talking about it. So, you know, I started Chow because I needed help. And turns out a lot of people are showing up.
0: And Chow, I should say, is the support group for restaurant workers that you've been organizing for more than three years. But John, can you tell me about how it came together and the kind of response you got?
1: When I first got sober in this industry, I was fortunate enough to take about a year, year and a half off, and I had to live with my mom. So I did that up in Longmont. When I did come back, people caught wind of it, and there was articles in The Westward and 5280 about being sober in the restaurant industry. And um, Alex called from 303 Magazine and wanted to kind of do the same interview. And I said, "Um, you know, I don't need an attaboy for this getting sober thing you know, let's, let's do something. So how about 30 days after we do this article, I'll host a meeting. We'll put it in the article and see who shows up. And as the 30 days are nearing, I'm thinking to myself, "Ah, none of these A-type personalities are going to want to come and talk about their feelings, but Hey, yay, I tried and I'll go on with my life. But um, the way the universe had it, um, Anthony Bourdain passed away three days before the scheduled meeting
0: We have some terribly sad news uh, to report this morning, heartbreaking and devastating. World-renowned chef, best-selling author, award-winning host of Parts Unknown, and our friend, Anthony Bourdain, has died.
1: Anthony Bourdain was a beacon to restaurant workers. He, you know, wrote Kitchen Confidential, and I read that on, you know, one airplane ride. Um, And then he was able to get out of the restaurant industry, which I think is a quiet secret amongst a lot of restaurant workers that was one of the biggest struggles for me when I got sober, I was like, I'm never ever going there again, you know, year and a half later, 11 jobs. It's the only skill I have. And Anthony Bourdain was able to get out of the kitchen and be seen on the TV and travel the world. And, you know, that looks a lot like freedom. Um, But in a lot of ways, you know, I think he traded his kitchen crew for a camera crew and uh, the dynamics were pretty much the same as being in a kitchen, except now your kitchen is the world.
0: Let us tell you what we know so far this morning about this. Our senior media correspondent, Brian Stelter, host of Reliable Sources, joins us. Brian, what have we learned?
1: Anthony was found dead this morning in his hotel room in France. He had hung himself in his hotel room. And suddenly there was about 40 people at my bakery at 5.30 on a Monday night. To be honest, I was pretty overwhelmed. I did not expect that whatsoever, and you know, throwing caution into the wind I said everybody just take five minutes and say who you are what you do and what you struggle with and um after hearing everybody's story the 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 girl next to me she was knitting frantically and putting out these little hot hot pads to take things out of the oven and uh where I got sober in Longmont there's like a wall of knitters there and they knit and they put their knitting down and say something profound and change your life and pick up their knitting like nothing went on. So I was kind of like hypervigilant on this woman next to me. And um, she stood up and laid out her plan for suicide that night. She said, "If this meeting is no good, here's my plan." And um, she's alive and well today, and you know, I just clicked off on me. I'll be here next Monday." And Chow was started. It was a, a Monday night, 5:30 meeting, you know, with no real organization, and and we bring a topic and we just talk about where it hurts.
0: What do you think it was about that space that made people feel comfortable to open up like that?
1: You know, the whole idea behind chow, it's us helping us, you know, so if I told my mom some of the kitchen stories, you know, we'd put her in the hospital. But, you know, when we talk to each other in the restaurant industry, you know, oh, I worked 18 hours that day, I caught my Cut my left thumb off and lit my shoes on fire. That's kind of a normal day. You know, you cut your thumb off. I can already hear my mom. You know, did you have to take a week off? Do you need 18 stitches? Do you need, no, I cauterized it and kept on going, you know? And that's just how that business rolls. And uh, to be able to set all that aside um, when you're talking to somebody and go right for their heart, um, that makes it really easy, makes it easier.
0: So when the pandemic started, I mean, restaurants were thrown into this cycle of having to rethink menus, how their kitchens operated, what their service looked like. I mean, it was like adding stress to already sort of stressful environment. Um, People lost their jobs. Uh, What can you tell me you've heard from the community that's come out of Chow about these past two years?
1: There has been some big wins and some big losses, I think. On a day-to-day basis there, it was like, we're doing what today? We're wearing our masks on our forehead. We're wearing one red shoe, and we have to spin a plate all at the same time. I mean, that's what it seemed to be like, you know? And there was kind of no rules, but then they kept imposing rules on us. So um, talking about having to recreate yourself over and over again, it also allowed the restaurant industry to do some things that you know, people have been talking about a lot. Like pre-pandemic, you know, the restaurant industry was already kind of in a tight position as far as tipping goes and wages. And it was it was bad. But you know, from an operator standpoint, they can't afford to pay somebody $18. COVID forced the industry to look at some things differently and, and do some better business. And out of it, you know, people are coming back and getting paid $20 an hour now. I almost want to use the word triumphant. I mean, in my career, I've never made over $13 an hour, you know, and that was up to 37 years old and being in newspapers and being, being a popular, you know, uh, person in the restaurant industry, you know, I couldn't glean much more than that, but our employee pool has really gone down. I think over COVID, a lot of, uh, employees had three Friday nights in a row off. And that started leveling off. And they said, what the heck am I doing with my life? I can go do something else for this amount of money and have my weekends and nights free. And look, they give me health benefits. You know, why, why would they come back?
0: Do you see any changes that the restaurant industry could make when it comes to mental health issues for workers? Like you're obviously now it's out in the open. You, you've got the space for folks to talk about it. Is there anything you're seeing that could actually be changed?
1: I think it's changing. We're watching it change on a on a daily basis in front of our eyes. Back in my day, getting to that age now, it was just suck it up and pull up your pants and and do it and figure it out. And um, there was like a lot of shame based encouragement um, about well, well, what do you mean you don't know how to make a chicken noodle soup? Everybody know, you know, you're an idiot. You can't make chicken noodle soup. You know, you were driven out of fear. And today. I'm seeing a lot more kindness coming in, you know, and out of this pandemic, you know the the restaurant owner and the restaurant worker were put were leveled. you know the restaurant owner was about to lose his business, and the employee was out of work and collecting unemployment, which turned out unfortunately to be more than what they were making at the restaurant and I think that was another huge uh, token for people not coming back
0: absolutely. I have friends that did that very thing and then my best friend was uh waiting tables and now ended up in um school to get her masters yeah. <laughs> because she was like I realized I didn't want to be in this environment anymore and I could make more money on unemployment. Yeah. Um <laughs> So do you think that the relationship between workers and restaurant owners has has shifted at all? Do you think that do you, are you, is there a, any move in the industry for owners to be more thoughtful about how they take care of the people that work for them?
1: Uh, yeah, I think a majority of the owners are really taking this seriously, if not just for them, for their employees too. But um, it's not just the restaurant industry that's suffering from mental health at this point. It's a national issue, but you know, usually the restaurants are the last to pick up on on things like this, and you know, groups like Chow started to pop up all over during COVID. You know, everybody was trying to give each other a hug. So um, groups like Chow, I think really help to bring the camaraderie within the overall restaurant community, but it also, I think is extending into the restaurants on a smaller scale too.
0: Can you give me an example of that? Because I'm, sure you're hearing from folks at chow meetings and i'm just wondering how restaurant workers and managers are incorporating this idea of better mental health practices into the work environment
1: instead of just putting a sign up uh you know next to the the uh the time clock saying hey are these services are available and read the fine prints you know managers are vocally saying hey Go to this, go to that, and they're reminding them. They're talking about it at at the lineup before the shift starts. Mental health is now an upfront conversation, where before, you know, it was like go for a walk if you were lucky.
0: I was gonna say if you had if there was time,
1: and and really the only personal break you could get was like go hide out in the bathroom stall.
0: (laughs) I'm having like a flashback to that very experience right now as a server. being like, oh, I need to go sit in the bathroom to get away from everybody for a minute because someone just screamed at me on the floor and, you know.
1: Yeah, the bathroom was my best friend when I when I came back to the restaurants and um after being sober, I did a lot of hiding out and praying in the bathroom, you know.
0: So it's Denver Restaurant Week and we're talking to all types of folks in the industry. And and that's partially why we wanted to have this conversation with you, because we wanted to bring something different to the to the conversation of restaurant week. Um, so I'm just asking everybody, what is your hope for the future of, of restaurants in Denver and Colorado?
1: I, th- I think my long-term hope is finally coming true. You know, I've been in the, in the Denver restaurants here since 1997. And since 1997, I've been hearing the conversation over and over again. What's this Denver staple food? You know, every city has their food, you know, and nobody wants it to be Rocky Mountain oysters. You know, Nobody. <laughs> And then they vote for green chili, and now green chili is kind of New Mexico. And you know the the main ingredient of Denver food is community, and that's what we are. You see the chefs in town get to an event and hug each other and are excited to see each other, and they all bring food from where they came from, or they they discuss where they get their ingredients and this and that. And in other cities, it's like, don't look at my microgreens. You know, like who cares about your microgreens really? You know, like. it's it's no secret they grow everywhere probably pick them at the park if you really look (laughs) like but the denver community has always and to see it start to thrive now especially over the pandemic everybody really jumped in and, and gave a hand
0: john henneman thank you so much
1: thank you very much for having me
0: Chow currently offers hybrid in person and online meetings based in Denver, Colorado Springs, and Steamboat Springs. You can follow Chow on Instagram at chow underscore org for up to date information on their programs. And here's what else is happening in Denver today the Denver District Attorney's Office has dropped second degree murder charges against a security guard who shot and killed a man in October 2020. Denverite reports that Matthew Dolliff was hired by Nine News to protect staff covering dueling rallies when he got into an altercation with a gentleman and shot him. The DA's office said they dismissed the case because, quote, "...in line with our ethical obligations, we cannot overcome the legal justifications of self-defense or defense of others. We are not able to prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt." That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, where today we're featuring a fellow musician's tribute to legendary horn player, Ron Miles, who died last week. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you later. You can follow Chow on Instagram at Chow Under Scout Orcs.